this is Jonathan with LimitlessMindset.com, the online destination for acquiring superhuman brain power and hacking your reality. This video is about Kratom, which is a little bit more edgy, mind-altering compound. It's a variety of psychoactive flora that I'm not actually sure I can recommend to you. It's a variety of plant similar to opium, psilocybin, and yohim from Southeast Asia. This article is mostly going to focus on decoding what the human studies are saying about Kratom and how this squares up with the anecdotal experiences of the Kratom community online. For more of my own personal opinions, insights, and thoughts on Kratom, please see the reviews of Kratom that are linked below this video. Performance Enhancer. In Thailand, it's been used for a long time to increase work output of laborers and increase tolerance to the sun. It's most commonly described as putting users into a headspace that is happy and active with a strong desire to work. They traditionally consume it as a tea, chew its leaves, or smoke it. Kratom is indisputably a performance enhancer. There's a near universal consensus amongst Kratom users that it makes them work harder. The whole body energizing effect makes it a favorite of physical laborers and gym rats alike. A lot of bloggers and writers also find that it makes them more creatively energetic. And certain strains are commonly used as a coffee or caffeine substitute. Victor from Bolden determined felt quite strongly about this writing. Normally in the afternoon about 3 to 7 p.m. I'm just shut down. I'm beat. I'm useless. The worst part about the afternoon hours is that I get brain fog. On Kratom, the brain fog just goes away and I don't feel run down. On Kratom, I feel peppy, happy, ready to work, and just plain good. On bad days, Kratom makes the bad go away. Kratom gives me a feeling of well-being, but not sedation. I always want to work when using Kratom. Thanks, Victor. On cognition. So, I'm a big fan of cognitive enhancers, which Kratom is not. This is not just my own opinion, but was confirmed by a 2014 study entitled Abuse Potential and Adverse Cognitive Effects of Mitragynine, Kratom, out of University Sands in Malaysia. It was quite bearish on Kratom, comparing it closely to morphine from its abstract. Acute mitragynine independently impaired passive avoidance learning, memory consolidation, and retrieval, possibly mediated by a disruption of cortical oscillatory activity, including the suppression of low-frequency rhythms, delta and theta, in the electrocardiogram. Altogether, these findings provide evidence of an addiction potential with cognitive impairments for mitragynine, which suggest its classification as a harmful drug. History. 
like a lot of herbs that grow abundantly in nature, it's been used by locals since time immemorial, mostly for recreational purposes. In Thailand, it's also used traditionally as an opium substitute to taper off other drug addictions and even to prolong sexual intercourse. In 1943, Thailand made it illegal treating it like cocaine or heroin. Being in possession of just one ounce is actually punishable by death there. It apparently has a bit of a bad reputation there as something mostly just used by low-class degenerates. Not for human consumption. Technically, in the United States, Kratom is not for human consumption. This is why you hear people on the internet talking about burning Kratom. Now, they don't actually burn it, but that's the lingo which I will continue to use, mostly just because I think it sounds cool. And as you'll discover, I'm not going to advocate that you consume or buy Kratom However, you are a free agent in, hopefully, a free country, and you can consume whatever you want to. So, Google searching Kratom, you'll find two extremes of opinions. You'll find some real fear-mongering pieces about how it's a wild, wild west industry, addictive and associated with suicides. On the other side, you'll find a lot of people calling it a wonder drug and decrying the negatives of Kratom as big pharma conspiracies and negative propaganda. Generally, I'm a libertarian, free-thinking type, and I think it's none of the government's business what we choose to consume. I think that people should be able to put in their bodies whatever they want to as long as they're adults, they can afford it, and they can find someone in the free market to sell it to them. However, I'm going to take off my conspiracy theorist libertarian hat for a moment and put on my arbitrary contrarian hat in regards to Kratom. So PubMed returns just a little more than a hundred search results for Kratom. Of those, 36 are human research done within the past 10 years, which is a good sign that human research is being done. However, with very few exceptions, None of the scientific literature report any positive effects of Kratom. That's actually very important for anyone that's considering consuming Kratom. The vast majority of the scientific literature was simply documenting the addictiveness of Kratom and the associated suicide cases. As far as I can determine, the only positive use documented in recent scientific literature is in treating opioid withdrawal or chronic pain. There was just a single 2013 paper I could find which used positive language to describe Kratom from its abstract. Addiction potential and adverse health consequences are becoming an important issue for health authorities. Here we reviewed the available evidence and identified future research needs. 
it was found that mitragynine and M. speciosa preparations are systematically consumed with rather well-defined instrumentalization goals. Example, to enhance tolerance for hard work or as a substitute in the self-treatment of opioid addiction. There is also evidence from experimental animal models supporting analgesic, muscle relaxant, anti-inflammatory, as well as strong anorectic effects. Altogether, these data suggest both a therapeutic as well as an abuse potential. That's it. That's the most positive language I could find anywhere in the recent scientific literature. In comparison, a similar PubMed search on ayahuasca, which I've also tried, returns about double the human research done in the past 10 years. And on the first page of search results, at least seven of the articles of scientific literature documented or demonstrated positive effects from ayahuasca. So if there's a big pharma, evil, capitalist conspiracy against Kratom, then why isn't there a similar demonization of ayahuasca? There's a interview that everyone considering consuming Kratom should watch with a Dr. Julio Ferrari, which by the way is basically the coolest name ever that I've heard on YouTube. And in the interview, Dr. Ferrari says that there has yet to be done a good human study which was looking at the beneficial effects of Kratom. So if you're the kind of person that chooses your supplements and your cognitive enhancers based upon science and human studies as opposed to online hype and anecdotal reports, then Kratom is probably something that you want to pass on until such time as Dr. Ferrari is able to do his human study and put some data out there about its, its positive effects outweighing some of the negatives that are, that are really well documented. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the strains of Kratom. So with other nootropics, the effects are very similar. All varieties of modafinil have pretty much the same effect. The same could be said for the racetams, a lot of nutraceuticals, and a lot of the nootropic amino acids as well. Kratom is a different story. Different strains of Kratom will have actually pretty contrary effects. The three different strains are white, which is effective for treating depression, increasing productivity, increased energy, and focus. Green, which is good for providing a milder boost in energy, focus, and mood. And red, which is an agent of relaxation. It induces drowsiness. It can help relieve pain, along with anxiety and insomnia. Mengda, literally pimp grade, is just a silly name signifying higher potency of Kratom. Where should you buy Kratom? Apparently, it's a bit of a wild, wild west industry. And 
quality is always a concern when you're dealing with a product that has to cross a vast ocean on a giant ship to reach you. If you're going to try Kratom, you definitely don't want to buy it from a head shop or liquor store, which apparently carry it sometimes. You want to buy it someplace online that's pretty reputable, can ideally show a certificate of authenticity analysis where they acquired it from or expiration date. Technically, it's not a product for human consumption, so they don't have any liability for what happens if you consume it. One thing that's nice about the internet is that it's made merchants in wild, wild west industries like Kratom really paranoid about their reputations. A single customer, disgruntled customer, ranting on Reddit is going to be in the search results forever. So if you buy your Kratom from a well-known vendor online, your chances of getting good stuff are high. Also, be wary of Kratom extracts. They are a concentration of the most addictive chemicals in Kratom and will lead up to a steep tolerance fast. Mechanism of Action. A 2013 Temple University paper stated, several characteristics of these compounds suggest a classic opioid mechanism of action. Nanomolar affinity for opioid receptors, competitive interaction with the opioid receptor, antagonist naloxone, and two-way analgesic cross-tolerance with morphine. However, other characteristics of the compounds suggest novelty, particularly chemical structure and possible greater separation from side effects. Addiction. So mitragynine has been fairly well established as an addictive compound. Probably a lot of the reason behind why it's been banned from human consumption here in the United States. However, a couple of studies indicate that it's a pretty harmless addiction. 2015 study of over 290 kratom addicts in Malaysia concluded findings showed that regular kratom users did not experience major impairments in their social functioning despite being dependent on kratom for prolonged periods. From a similar 2014 study more than half the regular users greater than six months of use develop severe kratom dependence problems, while 45% showed a moderate kratom dependence. It went on to give some dosage guidelines. The average amount of the psychoactive compound mitragynine in a single dose of a kratom drink was 79 milligrams, suggesting an average daily intake of 276 milligrams. Regular users who consumed more than three glasses of kratom per day had higher odds of developing severe kratom dependence, withdrawal symptoms, and inability to control kratom craving. It concluded, the findings from this study show that regular kratom use is associated with drug dependency, development of withdrawal symptoms, 
and craving. These symptoms become more severe with prolonged use and suggest a stronger control of the drug. Habitual users of Kratom could show withdrawal symptoms such as hostility, aggression, rhinitis, inability to work, excessive tears, muscle and bone aches, and jerky limb movement, which I think is something like this. Sorry for disturbing this video blog with my dancing. I'm a biohacker, not a pop locker, obviously. Anyways, so if you've had addictive issues or if you've had a history of alcohol, cocaine, prescription drugs, been a smoker, trauma and PTSD, food addiction or child abuse, you are going to want to stay far away from addictive compounds like Kratom. You're also going to want to stay away from significantly less demonized yet equally addictive and destructive consumables like sugar and bread. If you know that you don't have an addictive personality type, then you'll probably be fine with Kratom. Suicides. A 2014 Thai study was actually conducted on suicide risk from its abstract compared with over 16,000 ties without illicit drug use. The illicit drug users, 54% of which use Kratom, with or without mental alcohol use disorders had an increased risk of suicide. It concluded a key limitation of this study was the combined suicidal behaviors as a suicidal risk. Mental or alcohol disorders found in this population actually increase the suicide risk. These findings support the coexisting relationship that mental and alcohol use disorders play a vital role in increasing the suicide risk in illicit drug users. This makes me think of the case study in Malcolm Gladwell's book of the Micronesian suicide epidemic. In Micronesia, there was this period of really frequent suicides amongst young men, amongst teenagers. And the conclusion, I believe, was that these Asian cultures are more collective and the young men in Micronesia were starving for acknowledgement and attention, were using suicides as a way of communicating with their culture in a way that they knew they would be heard. Not sure if that's the same thing going on here with Kratom. However, these suicides are not just an Asian phenomenon. In a recent case in San Diego, California, Kratom showed up in the post-mortem analysis of a 24-year-old man who had a serious history of alcoholism and depression. There was a similar case in Norway of a middle-aged man who was found dead of, they suspect due to high levels of mitragynine in his blood, Kratom intoxication. This man had a similar history of drug abuse and depression.
morbid reminders that those with borderline personality disorders should stay far away from these types of drugs. Here's my opinion. After actually using Kratom for several months, with the exception of the pain issue, there are much more safe and efficacious smart drugs and nootropics which accomplish the same things as Kratom. So if your objective is to find more motivation to work, take racetams. Stay focused on your entrepreneurial projects, take modafinil. Overcome depression, take vitamin B12. Overcome social anxiety, take Phenibut. Or better yet, make it a daily habit to get outside of your social comfort zone. You need something to relax at the end of a stressful day, take L-theanine, or better yet, make a habit out of doing 10 minutes of meditation. These all are actually demonstrated in high quality human studies as being effective solutions. Right now, all that Kratom has going for it is a handful of YouTube videos and people anonymously posting their anecdotal experiences on forums. However, there are two reasons I can think of why you may want to try Kratom. First of all, you've tried everything else. You have chronic pain or treatment-resistant depression, and you've already tried all the mainstream or holistic solutions and are just not getting results. Could what you're dealing with right now be worse than the negatives of Kratom? Probably not. And then the second reason why you may want to try Kratom is that you, like me, are just a person that likes to try weird new drugs to throw strange molecules at your biology and see what happens. Mmm. Conflicts. You definitely want to be very careful what else you are on while taking Kratom. Most of the suicide cases were depressed alcoholics. So if you're a social drinker, Kratom is probably not for you. I did my own trial of Kratom while I was doing a 90-day period of no booze. There's a couple of other cases of Kratom resulting in fatalities when it was combined with different drugs, which I will list through the link below this video. I highly encourage you to check that out before you burn Kratom. If you have reason to believe that I've got it all wrong about Kratom, if you have scientific evidence or data that is more positive on Kratom, then go ahead and leave it in a comment below this video. I've made some pretty sound arguments for my conclusions here, and if you have equally sound evidence for contrary conclusions, 
then I invite that debate. Again, I'm Jonathan Roseland with Limitless Mindset. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you see it on the video now, and I look forward to an ongoing conversation with you. Double bagged here. So, Kratom is something that I'm going to compare to racetams and other smart drugs and nootropics have tried. It's not exactly an apples to apples comparison.